welcome to week five of MLS Gone Wild. I hope everyone is staying home and staying healthy during these tough times. We have a very special guest joining us today. We have defensive midfielder Brandon Eaton from Ford Madison FC. I appreciate hey, Brandon for joining everyone? us. What's going on? Appreciate <laughs> Brandon up? for joining us in action. And Blaine, take it away. Yeah, Brandon, uh, again, thank you for being here. We appreciate you dedicating some time just to talk to us and mm-hmm. answer some questions. Uh, like Brandon was saying, um, you, you are a defensive midfielder for uh, forward Madison FC, um, and you're Chesapeake, Virginia's own. Um, I'm yeah. Actually, I, actually, I actually reside in Chesapeake now, so it's, you know. What, seven, five, seven. Yeah, <laughs> what high school did you go to? I never really found that out. Uh, I went to Indian River High School, so I was in a – District back then, I know the districts have changed over time. But I was playing against Great Bridge, Grassfield, Hickory, all those high schools back in the day. Nice, so. very cool, man. I'm actually from Columbus, so I didn't play high school ball around or Columbus, Ohio. So I didn't. Oh, we were, nice. well, that's where we're all, that's where we're all from. So none of us played high school ball around here. But uh, okay. I like the seven five. I like the seven five seven roots. I respect that. I would like to before we go any further and really get into our podcast. I want to shout out Dylan Thompson. For giving us this connection to Brandon, um, if you guys want, please go give Dylan's Instagram account a follow and also his account on Anchor and all of the podcast platforms. It's full on beach soccer. Uh, he's he's huge into beach soccer. He's in his first episode. He's interviewed a big name U.S. women's national team beach soccer player. So go give him a follow. Again, that's full on beach soccer. So we'll go ahead and roll into the questions. Brent, Brandon, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Right, so, so since COVID-19 is, you know, happening right now and everybody's kind of in quarantine, what are you doing to stay busy and pass the time? And also, what are you doing to stay in shape? Uh, so to pass the time, uh, I've been, there's been getting a lot of extra Xbox time in, to say the least. So been uh, playing a lot of Call of Duty and FIFA, uh, aside from, you know, the athletic portion of the game. But to stay fit, we've got our own, like, little workouts that the team's been sending to guys to kind of – do their own thing to try and be ready for whenever this kind of boils down to its conclusion. So a lot of, a lot of fitness stuff, a little work just to stay sharp and kind of maintain the, the fitness level we got through before this uh, pandemic began. Well, good, man. It's, it's good to hear that you're staying busy and trying to stay in shape. I couldn't help but see today on your, your club's Twitter page that you're going to be participating in some, uh, EUSL tournament? Oh, uh, yeah, it's Rocket League. So, um, got a little E tournament that began today. I played the first match, didn't really go directly in my favor. I kind of uh, underestimated the, the ability of some of these Rocket League players, but hopefully throughout the rest of the tournament, we can kind of even things out in the group stages. <laughs> so, so uh, do you want to, for, for our listeners out there that aren't, you know, huge video game players, do you want to describe kind of what Rocket League is? Oh, so so Rocket League is like a combination of like race car driving and soccer all combined in one. So it's I know that it sounds very challenging, which it really is. I I, I kind of struggle with playing. It. I'm I'm FIFA guru, but I couldn't uh, channel my inner NASCAR to kind of put them both together. So it's basically driving around trying to knock a soccer ball into a net with a with a little max bo- matchbox car. So it's, a, it's an interesting game to watch and even more uh, interesting and challenging, I learned, to play. 
Yeah, for sure. I think that's interesting that you guys are doing that. It's actually going to be on ESPN3, uh, Dakota just told me. So that's yeah. that's even cooler that they're going to be televising it. All right, so on the question two. So while you were playing for the Richmond Kickers, you sustained a season-ending ACL meniscus tear. What was your mentality going through physical rehab, and how much did you really miss the game? Uh, well, right from the start, um, my mentality was basically getting back as fast as I could. Like, I was told it could be a year-long process, but for me, the only thing I heard was the minimum uh, uh, month uh, requirement to get back, which is around six months. So for me, that, that was my goal from the start, and I remember uh, – uh, it was about maybe four days after the surgery. Uh, I felt, I remember falling in the bathroom because I just had a mentality. I was like, I was, I want to get back as fast as I could. So I tried to get up on my own and go to the bathroom and ended up falling over. Mom came down and checked on me, but uh, that's kind of describes the way I kind of went about things in rehab. Just, I did a lot of extra stuff and really pushed myself to get back in the, in the time frame for honestly the next USL preseason. And how much, how much did you miss the game when you were away? You know, oh, yeah. Watching your teammates and whatnot. I missed the game a lot. I played uh, – I remember my surgery was on uh, September 11th of 2017. So that was uh, about 10 days before FIFA uh, 18 came out. So I uh, missed the game a lot, put a lot of hours in on that, watched a lot of uh, soccer at home. And, you know, it was it's, – it's hard. That was probably the longest time I'd gone in my – at that time, 22 years of my life without a uh, ball at my feet and playing. So it was a, it was an emotional roller coaster for that reason. And I'm glad that I was able to get through it and be on the, the upside of that injury process. Yeah. It sounds like you really had a chip on your shoulder and you were out to, you know, prove that you were, you know, still ready to take the next step in your career. Yeah, for sure. I, I I had talks with a lot of people who said, oh, maybe it's time you, like, stop playing. You know, maybe it's a sign. Because it, it really occurred, like, I signed a contract in, with uh, Richmond, and two months later I tore my ACL at, right after I played my first uh, game with Richmond. So a lot of people were telling me, oh, you probably won't be back in time to play. And But sure enough, I kept that in my mind, used it as motivation, and made it back for preseason with Richmond the following year and got re-signed. Yeah, that's great, man. I, I read I read somewhere in an article that the injury was actually a non-contact injury. Yeah, it was. It was, a, it was actually a friendly. So we played a friendly against um, D.C. United's U23s. Um, it was about a week before I – or about two weeks, honestly, before I realized I tore my ACL. So in that match, I – I uh, went to play a cross in and I kind of clipped my studs into the turf and I felt like a twist and pull in my knee. It was really painful at the time, but I kind of finished out the rest of the match. It was only like maybe 15 minutes left. So I finished out the match and I noticed for the next two weeks, like in training, every time I jarred it, um, I, I would have trouble uh, moving afterwards. But I actually played against FC Cincinnati, not knowingly, the whole 90 minutes with the torn ACL. And I remember after the game playing 90, I was like, yeah, I don't think I can walk. And I, and I honestly couldn't walk without a pretty, pretty good amount of pain and finally got an MRI the following weekend. And, um, uh, yeah, I had a torn ACL and meniscus. <laughs> 
So it's yeah, pretty the, crazy. Yeah, the, yeah it's, it's definitely crazy. So the reason I ask is because I can relate. I played at Virginia Westland uh, mm-hmm. with Dylan, and I, I also nice. tore my ACL meniscus and fractured my tibia. Not um, nice. In a non-contact, <laughs> in a non-contact injury. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why I was kind of asking about your mentality. You know, I came back and I had one season left to play. And, you know, you, you kind of come out to, to prove something. Obviously, I'm not where you're at. It's nowhere as good as you are. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you, you always come back with a chip on your shoulders. So uh, uh, I like following your journey, and I think we're all going to continue to follow that journey now. Thank you, I appreciate it. But just to say something about that, anyone who can get through that process and come back, uh, hats off to them because it's it's no easy process to go with. No matter the level you're at, or age, or sport you play, it's it's not easy to go through as an athlete for sure. So hats off yeah, to you. Good advice. <laughs> yeah, good advice, Brandon. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Brandon, um, Dakota here talking with another question. Um, so after you fully recovered from that, you kind of had a weird story about how you ended up in Madison um, with the text message and being watched by Coach Shore down in camp in Tampa. What was it like playing for uh, forward Madison in their inaugural season? Oh, it was honestly, it was a dream come true. Like it was my first time. Uh, honestly, it was my first time going through a preseason, a full preseason with no injuries, and the the atmosphere around the club, the support, the fans, the flock. Shouts out to them because it, <laughs> they really made it. Um, it's it's I it's I can safely say it's the best club to play for in our league for a hundred percent and possibly in. Uh, uh, USL, it's it's support is amazing. Like a home games are sold out every single one, and it's it's really special feeling to be able to represent this club. Yeah, I was I was curious because when I was looking up pictures and stuff, doing some research on Fort Madison, it was like those stands looked like they were completely full. Every picture that popped up and watching your highlight tape and everything, it looked like there was always tons of people in the stands getting into it and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it gets it gets crazy in the flock in for sure. They always come march every game. They come marching in from wherever they're uh, doing their festivities beforehand with <laughs> drums and instruments. And you know, uh, I talked to teammates who played in the league, and some of them who play here now that were in the league last year were always just surprised when they came out and saw the support we had here. Yeah, that's crazy. That's that's great. A couple podcasts ago, we actually talked about you know what it takes to you know start like a grassroots soccer movement and you know with you guys being the the first uh, a first year team in 2019 uh, the first time in madison um you know you guys had to start from scratch and just doing going through twitter and trying to see how just looking through for madison's twitter i noticed there were so many like different twitter pages for different supporters groups just for that team so i i thought that was really cool yeah it's I, I got I got a couple of questions about the squad though. It's a little weird that you guys have a flamingo as <laughs> your mascot, and you guys are in Wisconsin. Would you know anything about that? Yeah, so I was a little skeptical myself at first. I saw the flamingo, saw the colors, and it really stands out. You know, like at first I was like, "Oh, what's going on here?" But uh, it's actually uh, I learned that the flamingo mascot came from uh, I guess a prank that occurred on UW, the University of Wisconsin. Wisconsin's uh, campus where 
I can't remember the number of flamingos, but a good number, maybe a thousand or so plastic flamingos were placed on the, not sure, administrative staff uh, holding position, maybe the president of University of Wisconsin's uh, front lawn. And that was kind of where the flamingo came into play for Ford Madison. So that's where that comes from. And the colors come from the flamingo. And it's uh, definitely a, a pretty, you know, open and special place to be, you know, with the with the vibrance of colors around here in, in Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> Got some sick jerseys, though, that's for sure. Sick, sick jerseys, yeah, definitely. Some of the sickest jerseys I've come across in my life. So it's definitely special to be able to represent and play uh, my favorite game in these jerseys, for sure. Even better ones this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love the jerseys. Um, so, so we were just talking about your first year. Um, so in your first year with the club, you scored the club's inaugural goal in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, describe your feelings in doing that and, you know, what making that kind of history meant to you. Uh, it, was, it was very special for me for many reasons. Uh, it came at a time where my position within the team, I, I came in expecting to play a lot more than I had at the start. And I came into that game, played really well, got the goal that kind of started us going. Could have had another one, but it was a turnaround for my season. I, I ended up playing a lot more after that goal until I, I suffered another injury, injury infor- unfortunately. But um, the goal itself was special because it was my first goal technically professionally in, in my career so far. And um, to be able to score the first goal for, for Madison – and their Open Cup history, definitely, it makes it even more special considering the support behind the club and the, what it means to not only myself, but to the fans and the people of the city. Yeah, and after you scored that goal, you guys went on to win the next game, it looked like, and then you guys lost to what is now going to be an eventual MLS expansion team in St. Louis. Yeah, we we went out to El Paso. We we took care of business there. Like a lot of people didn't pick us to be able to take take down El Paso, beat them three zero, and then went to St. Louis. Had a rough start and fortunately couldn't recover. So that was uh, the end of our Open Cup run. But you know we made the the club proud and the people who supported us proud because we made it a lot further than a lot of people pegged us to do so. Absolutely. Yeah, that's big news scoring the uh, the inaugural goal in a U.S. Open Cup history for a club. Man, that's awesome. Congrats. Thank you. All right, so this is Poopish. I'll ask you a question, man. So, what's up? So, who's the best player you've, like, ever played against? So, the best player I've ever played against uh, off the top of my head would have to be Paul Ariola. Um, okay. He plays for D.C. United and U.S. national team at the moment. And uh, we set up a couple exhibitions in my time, my second year in Richmond, and I was lucky enough uh, or unlucky enough to play in midfield against him on, on one occasion. And uh, he, was, he was quite a player. He's, it just gave me a new perspective, or not a new perspective, but it was a bit eye-opening seeing a player that plays not only at the highest level uh, domestically, but internationally as well, See to see that and kind of, compare myself and 
see where I stand also. Yeah, that'd be, I mean, that'd be a sweet feeling at first. So, going up against them, I'm sitting here, you mess up, up against. Yeah, not quite messy, but still very quality player. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, without a yeah. doubt. Yeah, that's that's cool, and it's it's also it's a, it's a measuring stick for your for yourself to see how far you need to go to get to that level. Yeah, exactly. And uh, just just to talk on that, unfortunately, Poopus and I had the great experience of playing against Will Trapp yeah. <laughs> a couple a couple oh, times sweet. in our high school career. Um, he was literally right down right down the street from us at a different high school, and they were at that point they were ranked the number one high school team in the country, and and our senior year. And the combined two games that we played against them, they beat got, us six. Yeah, we got zero. Big time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure so looking it, back at it now, you're like, ah, well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he chipped our goal. He chipped our goalie from midfield. There were there were a whole lot of things, but it's it's cool to play against that caliber of player, regardless of you know how it goes. It's it's nice to say that you were on that field with him. Exactly. Yeah. Great experiences. If you had a quarantine with like one professional soccer player. Who would it be? <laughs> I saw I saw a little bit of this question. Uh, <laughs> had a feeling it was coming, but um, so my favorite player probably in the world right now. I'm 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 always biased to him, no matter the the critics what they say. Good. But Mesut Ozil, because my oh okay, he, he I he always has a special place in my heart. The way he plays, the way he carries himself. But the main reason I want to be quarantined with him, not only for his uh, footballing ability, but also uh, he's a big time uh, gamer as well. He has his own uh, esports team, so I feel like being quarantined with him, with the headset on, playing a couple of my favorite games would make for a pretty, pretty easy going, fun quarantine. Yeah, I mean, he's from Germany too, because my my favorite player used to be Michael Bollock, so back in the day. So oh, Bollock, yeah. So. German international Arsenal player definitely would go with Mezzadozo. So, so does that mean you're an Arsenal fan? I am, sadly. <laughs> oh man, yeah, my man. Me, <laughs> me, me too. All about Chelsea. Yeah, I'm a, I'm an Arsenal fan. I'm hopeless romantic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. I'm a, I'm an Arsenal fan and a Cleveland Browns, oh, Browns fan. I'm a, <laughs> I've, I've made poor choices in my, in my fandom. It's all right. When the, when the day finally comes, you know. You can just you can always say you you've been there when the times were more than just rough. <laughs> Question: Since we're talking about Arsenal, were you sad when Aaron Ramsey left? Aaron, oh, that's I think the the Arsenal have obviously let go of a lot of players in their history, and but Aaron Ramsey will never really make sense to me why they let him go, considering we had no central midfielders and <laughs> yeah, I was pretty sad about that one because he is a. Uh, one of our best players, a uh, couple seasons, and then he he's gone, and we had nothing but uh, Jacques and a eighteen year old French French kid <laughs> playing in midfield. Yeah, Gwendouzi. Yeah, Gwendouzi. Yeah, and you're you're a defensive midfielder. So what, what do you think of what do you make of Gwendouzi? I think he's really I think he's quality. Uh, he's one of the the best up and coming players, but uh, I. Speaking for Arsenal standards, I, I think he's a good player to have in the squad. But starting in a in in Arsenal's midfield, it's I think we need more superstars in there if we want to get back to the to the quality that we as fans kind of are dying Expect. are dying for. Yeah, yeah. It, w- it wouldn't be bad to have Guendouzi coming off the bench for I don't know a, a Thiago or someone along those lines. So. <laughs> 
Do you see um, <laughs> yes. Arteta being the man for that job, the guy who kind of takes Arsenal into the promised land further than what they have been? Uh, honestly, from the results, I, they start off with a bunch of draws, but they went over a stretch of pe- a stretch period where they they didn't lose for uh, over a month or so. And I mean, the squad has definitely improved a lot, giving up a lot less goals. Could score some more, but uh, I, I could see him being the guy long term with the improve short term improvements he's made to the team, and hopefully I can trust him to do so. Yeah. Over time. So Arsenal's your favorite Premier League team. Do you have a favorite MLS team? Favorite MLS team? I would. It's tough. I never really um, had a favorite because I've I've seen a lot of DC United games just from growing up in Virginia. So I guess I would have to say DC United just because I've been around the club more. So I've played in one exhibition with DC United against a Honduran team. So it's, I guess I would have to go at DC United. <laughs> yeah, and that's, you know, now that I live in Virginia, that's one thing that I really took uh, for granted. And when I lived in Ohio was, you know, having the Columbus crew right there. And it was so accessible. You could drive 15, 20 minutes and get to every professional soccer game every Saturday. So yeah, um, here in Virginia Beach, we really don't have that, unfortunately. We, we're starting to get into the USL. We have Virginia Beach City FC. So it's, it's good to see some, some level of professional soccer coming back into the local area in the 757. Yeah. Hopefully in the upcoming years with uh, all the teams and league expansions, there will be a little USL or MLS uh, team in Virginia Beach. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they could use some East Coast love, man. There's not a lot of teams along the East Coast. Yeah, that's very true. And then I got another one for you here. We just got a couple more left. Um, growing up, we all grew up playing soccer. Um, I'm not sure if you went through the DA system or not, but one of my questions is how can we get more American youth into, like, the USL or the MLS? Because it just doesn't seem like we're sustaining enough American youth players within these leagues. Do you kind of have a thought about that? Uh, for me, yeah, my my piece would just be I I didn't grow up with uh, I had the look the local uh, academy closest to me was uh, Rush Academy and then the other one from that was DC, but for me uh, from playing in a league with a lot of MLS two teams, uh, a lot a lot I think the best uh, chance for the youth to really uh, get into the MLS and to succeed at a USL level and find a successful professional career would be to just start uh, your early youth career within uh, MLS affiliate because uh, I've played against a lot of kids in the league that I've played in that are 18, 19, who have grown up playing for the, well, there's Toronto's uh, youth systems or FC Dallas's youth systems. And I think that's the best way to kind of stay on the radar of uh, these teams and coming up through their development uh, pyramid. And whether you stick with those teams or you find a way to get bounce around to another MLS affiliate, I think that's the the best ticket at this point to uh, find a way into the MLS or USL. Okay. Yeah, we kind of just we were talking about that last week. We talked about how we just the DA system and the homegrown contracts just haven't seemed to really work out lately. Depending on what 
um, DA you kind of went to. There's certain DAs that are kind of working like FC Dallas. You see it working down there in certain other pro uh, clubs, but it doesn't seem to be working anywhere, any, everywhere. So I was just curious on what your opinions were on that. Yeah. So for sure, we're all athletes. Music is always a huge part of our pregame ritual. Um, what kind of what's on your pregame playlist? Pregame playlist. Oh, it's definitely. Um, it depends on the mood. Sometimes I I listen to a little something that's a little lighter in mood. Uh, but uh, probably some a little Travis Scott, a little Drake, to get myself hyped up. Uh, you know, just sometimes a little uh, electronic music will do the trick. But sometimes before a game, I, I gotta listen to something that makes me want to. You know really go out there and just kill some people. So maybe even some <laughs> some Soldier Boy, some Chief Keith maybe in there. Some Soldier Boy. Yeah, I like Soulja it. Boy. I like that shit. A little Chief like Keith, it. Rich the Kid, you know, <laughs> just get my thug on yeah, <laughs> out in the sure. field. So it depends. Yeah. It changes up. Yeah, and our, my last question, I don't know if Blake and Brandon have come up with any um, or poopus throughout this, but – Kind of just to sound off a little bit, what are what would be your one piece of advice to lower to younger players who like aspire to play in the professional leagues outside of just kind of getting into a pro affiliate? Uh, my advice would be just to keep your focus. I think a lot of the difference between players and their development is just the amount of focus they put into things and their and their desire as well. So just being uh, motivated, self-motivated to kind of work on the things that you um, aren't that uh, uh, fixed in in terms of your ability and asking questions as well because I feel like uh, coaches, um, a lot of kids and young players are afraid to ask questions, ask what they're not uh, as uh, savvy in in terms of their technique and things they can work on whether it's positioning or technique in their game that these coaches can see, but they players never know because they don't ask, sit down, ask for video, ask for a little uh, meeting or some sort to just kind of get a better idea of what they need to work on. So that would be my advice. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's great advice, Brandon. Um, so, We've, we've gone through all of this, and we really haven't touched on your college career whatsoever. And you played at Virginia Commonwealth, yeah? Yeah, VCU. Started at how, how was but transferred oh. over. Okay, cool. Um, how, how was your college career? Did you enjoy it? And, like, what lessons did you learn from it? Uh, college career was great. I, I, played, I was fortunate to play a lot of games in my time at VCU. Unfortunately, didn't win many uh, championships playing a couple finals. But I think the biggest thing I learned in my college career was just how to juggle my mentality and things I had going on outside of the field. Because in college, you're young. There's uh, the social life. There's the academics as well. And uh, that kind of goes back to that focus aspect where I think the biggest difference between players is their mentality and how they juggle the, the hard days and the uh, things outside of soccer that may uh, carry over into your your game. So, I think that's the biggest thing I I picked up over my college career at VCU. 
So in our last episode, we talked a little bit how the college soccer landscape, especially on the men's side, may be changing. Um, There's currently some legislature going on within the NCAA that men's soccer may switch from just being a fall sport to a split and a half fall and spring sport. Um, So you'll still have the same amount of practices, same same amount of time with your team, but the season will be spread across fall and spring season. And their reasoning for doing this is to um, prevent overuse of the young athlete body and reduce uh, injury. And also to let the student athlete focus on being a student as well. And things look like they're going to pass on the men's side and that's going to happen. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, Yeah, actually um, it was always uh, something uh, in my college time that, people talked about it may happen but it's it's good honestly for me I think it's good to hear that that's going to come into play because it was often times where you'd play a game in August when it's 88 degrees outside on a Friday and turn around and play another game on a Sunday and teams and players can pick up a lot of injuries and uh, it's, it's, it's no way to really play a game especially at that level where uh, fatigue settles in more than most sports and um, having to play a game is such a quick turnaround. It's, it's no way to really uh, compete at your, at your best. So I, I think it's good to hear that that's getting passed. I think it long-term would, will allow players to play or be at their best in more games than not. If uh, the schedule's more stretched out and there's more time between games to recover and uh, rest. Yeah, I agree. Dakota, do you have any thoughts on that from a coach's standpoint? Yeah, I I mean, I give my opinion. I agree with Brandon as well. Um, another big part that I like about it is the fact that we'll have a day or two to actually work with players to kind of develop them a little closer. I mean, I don't know what it was at the D1 level, Brandon, but the D3 level, it's like we play Friday and Sunday, but like two or three out of the four days that we actually practice during the week, we're going over game plan, more tactical stuff than technical stuff. Mm-hmm. So that always runs into problems and can hinder development as well. Like we touched on earlier, I think. Yeah, for sure. I agree completely. Cause when you like, for me, I, I, I looking back on my college career, so many weeks, like I, I feel like I got a lot better during my spring seasons because we didn't play as many games. And I did my fall seasons because the fall was strictly like, you have a maybe one day of small sided, some technical stuff, and then the rest of the week is focusing on your opponents and prepping for the game on the weekend. So it's not as much time for development, but if you stretch the season longer, I feel there'll be a lot more time to kind of work with players and uh, see a, more of a spike in their development positively. Yeah. So I've. I've watched your highlights that you post on Instagram, um, playing at forward Madison, playing in the defensive midfield. I think you're a really good defensive midfielder, but what do you think is like the prototype to being a good defensive midfielder? Uh, for me, uh, if I could combine and make myself perfect, it would be just uh, a little bit. You got to be obviously technically sa- savvy and good on the ball, but also being able to read the game very well. I think that's a big piece is being able to read the game defensively and offensively as well. Being able to pick out passes that 
help your team get forward quickly and catch the other teams out and also being able to read the other team where you can maybe pick off something here, slide a guy to help you pick off something there. So it's, you know, it's uh, being uh, uh, defensive but also attack-minded uh, player uh, could is the best uh, prototype, I feel, to – play that position. Maybe if I can find Conte and uh, Pogba together, that would be the perfect perfect player <laughs> to describe. Yeah, I think that would be, that would be <laughs> perfect. So a, a lot of defensive midfielders that I see, they get really content with playing the ball laterally, side to side. Um, and in the highlights that I saw watching you play, um, you know, you're, you're a possession-oriented player, but you're also, you know, you're ready and willing to take a risk and you're, re- you're, you're ready to combine. You're ready to play a one-two, play the ball up to the target man and run off him and then spray the ball wide. Um, so, so that was good to see from a defensive midfielder. I think you have a lot of promise there doing Thank that. You. Yeah. yeah, sometimes it gets me in trouble. There's, my, uh, there's, there's some people that will say that I, tr- I try to unsimplify things a little too much. So that's one part of my game I'm trying to balance out is – being more of a guy that moves side to side at the right times than trying to always pick out the killer pass or killer dribble or something like that. So hey, sometimes, sometimes that changes. It does. That, that's what I say every time. <laughs> I may mess it up three. May may mess it up three times, but that fourth time that I get it right, uh, everyone will forget the first three times. That's right. Uh, Poopus, Dakota, you guys got any more questions or any comments? Anybody? No, I mean, I think he, Brandon, you answered all my questions. I just really want to thank you for taking your time out and really joining us on this show and kind of giving us an insight into your career and the things you are doing right now, and we appreciate it. I, I appreciate being a part of this. It was, uh, it was really fun, and it, it was nice to be able to join you guys and hear a little bit of you got what you guys have going on and your development and backgrounds as players and your views of the game and looking forward to following you guys whether it's social media or podcasts here in the upcoming future yeah i mean honestly we can't wait for the usl season to get back going so we can watch, watch some games too <laughs> yeah fingers <Yeah>. crossed <laughs> yeah hopefully it happens here soon so hopefully get through yeah. this shit yeah, I, I, I don't know when games are going to start being played again, um, but whenever they do, I really look forward to it. Brandon, like Dakota said, we really appreciate you taking your time um, out of out of your very out of your busy day to you know talk to us and answer questions that are personal questions and you didn't have to answer. Uh, you're our very first guest on this podcast, so so we appreciate it. Um, hopefully, hopefully this will lead to big things to come. Uh, we're also going to be huge advocates for you. Now that you've come on here, we're going to be big time fans of Brandon right. Eaton. Absolutely, and we can't wait to watch. We can't wait to watch you grow at Fort Madison, and you know, hopefully one day that we can talk. We can you know talk about you being in the MLS. We would love to do that. So, Brandon, thank you for being here, man. We really appreciate yeah. it. Everybody, that's everybody. It's a listener. We hope you guys stay safe, stay healthy, stay home. Um, thank you for tuning in. Brandon, you want to close us out, man? You're our first. Uh, yeah, you go just ahead. Want to, I just want to thank time. you guys for having me. This has been super fun, and I look forward to 
hearing and viewing more content from you guys in the in the future. Thank you. I uh, cool. appreciate it again, Brandon. You definitely have a good one. That's for Thank sure. Thank you. Stay you healthy. too. Yeah, this is MLS Gone Wild, week six. Thank you all for listening. Catch you all later.